Since we got into crypto, CoinMarketCap.com has been a staple in our daily blockchain regimen. But that's all changed ever since we discovered CoinGecko.com, an analytics platform for tracking cryptocurrencies and blockchain assets. CoinGecko is more feature-rich than CoinMarketCap. Sorry, CMC. And today, we welcome Bobby Ong, creator of CoinGecko, to the show to discuss these cool features that you're going to want to know about. And since there's a gecko involved, you might also save money on your auto insurance. Lizards and cryptos, it's all just another day in the republic of bad cryptopia. This is episode number 285 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Friends, fans, and felons. I hope there's no felons here. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. I'm Joel Com, and I have a cold in my nose. Oh. Mm. Welcome to Bad Crypto. Uh, this show is going live on the 14th of July, which is two days two days before our second birthday. Well, it's not our birthday. I mean, our birthday is the day we released the first episode, which is the Well, 8th. I don't know. Um, I debate that because our birth. When did we actually birth the idea? Uh, that's true. The idea was birthed on the sixteenth, and then we announced the baby to the world on the eighteenth. But that's true. So the birthday is actually the day the kid is born, not the day the kid, you know, his parents had booty. Time. Right. That was conception. We conceived. <laughs> we conceived. And then gave birth on the eighteenth. So I guess. I guess we've decided that the 18th is our second anniversary. Yeah. Congratulations, baby. Oh, and I think we might try to do something special, a special birthday show. And also, several of you have asked if we're going to do another birthday party like we did for the first birthday or anniversary. Which is it? Is it a birthday or an anniversary, damn it? It's a birth anniversary. Okay. And we did do something here in Denver, and we're looking at doing something perhaps in August to celebrate the second birth anniversary, so we'll keep you posted about that. Justificationizing. Mm-hmm. Got a great show with Bobby Ong of Coin Gecko on today, but first, we're also happy to bring on a new show sponsor, Mr. Travis Wright. Would you like to tell yes. our citizens? You guys are going to be hearing a lot about Nasgo. You might have heard us uh, interview Eric Tippett a couple of weeks ago on a previous episode. Two eighty two. 282. 282, yeah. Once we dove down the rabbit hole of this one, we were like, wow, this is a really, really interesting project, and we wanted to discover more. And so Nasgo is essentially the GoDaddy of blockchain. Now, think about that. You know, what did GoDaddy do for the internet? And how easy is it to go get a domain and get your web hosting, get your email and everything set up through GoDaddy? Now, imagine that with blockchain. You can tokenize your business today with no coding required. And they've developed a very easy solution for businesses to trans- transition into the blockchain frontier. So you use the Nasgo wallet. It provides you all the tools you need to advance your business. Will not break your bank. It is it, very interesting. This whole platform and ecosystem, you're going to be hearing a lot about it, we think. Nasgo provides the essential foundation to sidechain with all kinds of APIs, such as database writing, network communication, encryption. And uh, the sidechain supplies more nodes to strengthen the whole nasgo system so we did feature it on badco.in 282 
But uh, simplification of blockchain and being able to tokenize your business, tokenize your influence, tokenize your show, tokenize whatever. You can do all kinds of cool stuff with it, Mr. Joe Kyle. Let's go, Nazgo. Nazgo.com. That's it. And thanks, Not Nazgo. Not to be confused with NASCAR. Yeah, really excited. It's been a long time speaking with Eric and Steve, the co-founders of the company, and more to come on that, ladies and gentlemen. Check them out, nasco.com. And you're really going to enjoy this interview today. Bobby Ong, one smart cat from CoinGecko. So. And you're going to enjoy the fact that Bobby Ong put bad coin on CoinGecko after chatting with us. So we wanted to share that news too. So let's listen. You know, I don't know if it's just an infatuation with lizards or crypto or both, but there's more than one place to go to check the crypto prices. In fact, one of the up and coming sites that competes with CoinMarketCap.com is CoinGecko. It's all about the lizard. And the uh, the founder, co-founder of CoinGecko.com is Bobby Ong. I met Bobby at uh, Consensus in New York. And I said, hey, Bobby, you should come on Bad Crypto. And he said, well, you have to pay me a lot of Satoshis. And I said, okay, I'm going to pay you in bad coin. Well, that's not true. He's here for free. And uh, welcome to Bad Crypto, Bobby Ong. Hey, hey, Joel. Hello, Travis. It's Joel, not Joel, or else I'll have to call you Roberto. (laughs) 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 Let me me give a quick overview. You're the co-founder of CoinGecko. This is an analytics platform for tracking cryptos and blockchain assets. You established it in 2014, and it is now one of the largest crypto asset data aggregators in the world. You contributed to two digital currency books, and uh, you were included in Forbes 2019 30 under 30 Asia list. So you're kind of a big deal, and and we're glad you're here today. Tell us, uh, tell us how you first got into crypto, Bobby. Very happy to be on a bad crypto podcast. Uh, I've a lot about your, your show, listen to your podcast. So very happy to be here. Uh, I got into the space uh, in 2013, so I bought my first Bitcoin in 2013. I was actually fresh out of university and I was teaching myself how to code and I spent quite some time in a lot of tech forums. And so I did a degree in economics, which is basically a study of money, but not my lecturers did not mention Bitcoin at all during my lectures. So I got, uh, when I started programming and all these programmers were talking about uh, Bitcoin or this new form of magic internet money, uh, I got really curious because I spent three years of my life in London learning about money, but they didn't mention it at all. So, I mean, two things could happen. Either my lecturers were obsolete or these programmers are all crazy. But I thought that, okay, someone's got to be wrong, but maybe let me just have a read the Bitcoin white paper. So I took a read and then... So the backdrop of, of quantitative easing made this seems quite possible that uh, Bitcoin with this limited supply seems quite uh, it's quite a good use case. And I thought, like, let me just try to buy my first Bitcoin and I got it and then I transferred it out to my own wallet, which I hold. And voila, this is interesting because now no government in the world can seize the money because I hold custody of the coin myself. And, and after Bitcoin, I, I started discovering the other coins in the space like Litecoin and there was an Ethereum back then but I started playing around and uh, soon after I found out about the, the BitShares white paper which basically described the decentralized autonomous organization uh, which is uh, basically a 
a precursor to to what Ethereum is all about. And this got me really interested and I uh, uh, started digging deeper into all these other white papers. And I mean, of course, I was trading a little bit back then as well and wanted a little bit of um, to collect data in coins. So wanted really much to get uh, community data and developer data in the space and then basically going around uh, collecting them. Wanted to get some advantage in trading, of course. And uh, decided that, hey, if everyone's talking about this thing, but no one's actually quantifying all this data, what if we do it and put them together on a website and present it to everyone? And that's what we did with CoinGecko. And when we kind of launched it in April 2014, and pretty much things have gone on quite a lot since then. It's been quite a ride. You have seen many different, uh, you know, ups and downs of the crypto of going up and going down. It's been crazy, especially over this last two years for people who are relatively new to the ride. So when ex- when exactly did you say you got in crypto in 2012? 2013. Oh, 2013? Very nice. So you've seen some serious ups and downs since the 2013. What, what, what made you decide? You said, hmm, let's create, let's create this website that aggregates all this data in one place. What, what was that aha moment for you? Yeah, so the aha moment was uh, I was spending a lot of time uh, in Bitcoin talk forums back then. Uh, and then everybody was kind of, I mean, it still happens now, but it happens a lot in forums back then. Uh, people in, in Reddit, in Bitcoin Talk, and people are saying that my coin is the best coin in the world because it's got the largest community. Or my coin is the best coin in the world because it's got the largest developer stats. And I was thinking, why are all these guys going around telling the world that they have the best coin or, or these are the coins that's the best coin in the world? I mean, there's all this data that can be quantified. You can easily go out and check how big the community is on Facebook, like how many Facebook likes this guy has on Facebook, how many uh, followers this coin has on Twitter, and how many how active the community is on Reddit, like how many posts, how many comments, how many subscribers to the subreddit. These are all proxy in, uh, indicators to determine how large a community is, and and we wanted a way to quantify them properly. And then it's the same for developer, like, all these coins saying that they have the best developer team, best dev teams. Like it's easy to say, but it's I mean, you just show it in the code, like the code on GitHub, which is because everything's open source, you can easily see how many commits that the team, that dev team has made, how many developers have formed the code. For example, like Bitcoin is the most popular open source code, and then developers worldwide have formed the code base multiple times, many, many times in, in the past years, past few years. And we can see how many developers have uh, favorited it and made pull requests to contribute to the open source development of Bitcoin, for example. And all these things can be tracked and no one's tracking it back in those days. So we thought that it would be a very good idea to put them all together to increase transparency back then as well and, and put words and numbers, put numbers to the words instead of just having people going around telling rhetoric on how their coin is the best in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting to uh, to take a look at these exchanges and the volume that's taking place. We've had some people on the show in the past that have said that a lot of the volume from some of these exchanges is fake. And you guys track everything. How do you how do you handle um, you know the the fake volume? Is there anything you can do to let people know that are viewing CoinGecko what's real and what's not, or do you just treat it all the same? Yeah, that's a very good question. So uh, over the years, we've been operating over five years. We added over 4,500 coins and we've been adding exchanges. And now we track over 300 plus exchanges on the website. And in the past 
half a year or so, um, this thing uh, has become very uh, exchanges re- misreporting their volume data has become um, a very serious problem. So in uh, traditional markets, exchanges with high volume usually equate to high liquidity. But in crypto markets, this is not necessarily the case because many of these unregulated exchanges involved in wash trading and other manipulative behaviors such as conducting transfer mining to boost their trading volume so that they have they appear to be the exchange with the largest uh, with the most liquidity. It's come to a stage where the, we believe that the reported trading volume number for most exchanges cannot be trusted. And if you look at an aggregate level, the reported trading volume number is no longer a good indicator. So because of that, we roughly a month ago during consensus, we actually launched a, a new uh, algorithm called Trust Score, which is implemented on CoinGecko on the exchange overview page, overview page and the coin page itself. So a couple of things that we look into for this first iteration of Trust Score is we look into the web traffic estimate based on similar web and also the order book data for each exchange, uh, each pair, each trading pair. So uh, very briefly, look at uh, traffic estimates. So if an exchange claim that it has a very, very high trading volume, let's say $3, 5000000000 billion in daily trading volume, uh, assuming that the exchange has a rough, uh, similar, roughly similar percentage of users trading on API and on mobile web, on a mobile app, we would expect that the exchange would have a lot of visitors to his website as well. And websites like similar web services like similar web help users track how many visitors that the website has. So obviously the exchange with the most visitors at the moment would be Binance followed by Coinbase. But what we saw was uh, at one point before we introduced Trust Score, Binance in terms of trading volume is not the largest in the world. At one point it was number 13. And what we did was we basically count the average daily user trading volume and we take the volume divided by the visitors, and then we sort of normalize them according to a benchmark, which consists of the bitwise 10 real exchanges. And then uh, for exchanges that have uh, a good uh, ratio, we kind of take their numbers as trustable and we use them. But for exchanges that uh, have very highly inflated volume, we normalize them according to their similar web traffic. So the other part that was interesting to us was uh, an order book analysis. So we started implementing uh, the order book for each trading pair, and we can take a look and see at the bid ask spread and the slippage order book death. So we can sort of see how much money that is required to move the order book by 2% up or 2% down if you were to buy to buy the coin. So obviously, um, an exchange that has more liquidity will show that uh, the bid-up spread will be tight and the, the, the order book death will be thick. So it will be very, uh, it will cost a lot of money to move the order book by 2% up or down. It's very interesting because once we implemented this, we sort of see some really interesting statistics. So we saw, for example, some exchange on uh, on Litecoin that is supposedly the third most liquid exchange and it has over $100 million in daily trading volume, but it has a beta spread of 89%. When we saw it, we thought that this must be a data error on CoinGecko. Like there's no way that any exchange, any meaningful exchange can have 89% beta spread because you can't really trade it with that sort of spread. And what we did was we checked on the website on the exchange and we saw like, oh, watch trading happening right in front of our eyes. It was just really bad. And then the order book death only cost like $100, for example, to move the order book by 2% up, for example. I mean, not in this case because it's 89%, but like in many other cases, they was only cost $100 to move the order book. So we only $100, you can't really trade, do any meaningful trade because you have so much slippage from the last done price. So basically what we did is we categorized them into green, yellow, and red indicate that it's kind of good, fair, or poor for this exchange. And this is basically the first iteration of Trust Score. 
we believe that there's other data that we should also be looking at. And this is things that we're working, that been keeping us busy this quarter and also will be next quarter. So some of the things that we want to look at will be analysis of the API quality, uh, trade history, cybersecurity, proof of uh, reserves, the hot and cold wallet analysis, some of social media analysis uh, report, uh, some sort of uh, exchange support turnover time, some sort of a user review and licensing and regulation regime. So comprehensively looking at all these, we hope that we can increase transparency in the exchange overview uh, landscape so that we can sort of deter cheating from all these exchanges. I have a, I have a question for you, Bobby, uh, around global volume, right? So, you know, over the years, we've noticed how the volume for the whole cryptocurrency market has increased over time, right? I think it was like in 2015, it was like maybe $15 million a day. And then, you know, then it went to like, $45 million a day, and then it went to $200 million a day over the next couple of years. And then, then it hit a billion dollars a day. And then like in, in early January of 2018, it was hitting 20, $30 billion a day. Now, I mean, there's days where it's hitting 60, 70, $80 billion a day. Like how accurate is that global volume is that reported volume or is that actual volume and how far do you think it is maybe from being off yeah i i would say that how far is being off i don't have a number but i would say that it's not really a good indicator to look at the global trading volume because it's all reported volume and i guess to a large extent like there's probably two reasons contributing to the increase in um, the global trading volume one is uh, there's a lot more exchanges coming on board and each of them will have their own trading volume. And obviously, with the growth of the space, there's a lot more traders in the space. Uh, there's two, I guess, two reasons. The, 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 obviously, the, the big reason why this increased a lot is because a lot of these exchanges are actually probably faking their, their volume. Some outright fraud through wash trading, but many others are in doing this thing called trans fee mining, transaction fee mining, which is technically not exactly wrong, but it sort of put in place a lot of uh, bad incentives so that people trade among themselves or among their friends to rack up transaction, uh, tra uh, transaction fees, uh, trading volume. So these are, and also some exchanges have, they, they, they go out and have zero fees. So essentially it doesn't cost any money to trade. Uh, I would say if, if you want to get a good indicator of the growth of the trading volume from the, from a few years ago until now, I guess a good way is to look at the trading volume from a particular exchange like uh and 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 look at the volume over a period of time and um so for example you might want to do like the training volume on kraken or bitfinex from like 2013 2014 all the way until now and probably you don't want to look at the total trading volume for a particular exchange as well but a total trading volume for a particular pair uh for example btc usdt on bitfinex from 2014 until now and you look at it over a period of time and you kind of get a better estimate of how large the market has grown since then. Because what we have seen is that a lot of the exchanges have also added a lot of these coins. So total trading volume for a particular exchange has increased, uh, has increased for many of them, partly re uh, as a result of, of the addition of many of these new coins as well. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm looking at coingecko.com right now, and I'm just, you know, a little um, light question here. Why did you pick the lizard? Oh, Okay. So um, we just wanted like uh, something something more uh, light in the space. Like everyone has like a really serious name in the industry. Uh, we just wanted to have something uh, light and easy. 
and we just want to have like an animal in a uh, in our name so like some to have like a mascot yeah we do a lot of we, interesting we don't things. we don't like adding light and easy to crypto we're really serious about all the things we do so uh, let's let's Wait do a second, little... mr joe com i just say 15 percent on my crypto <laughs> with coin gecko yes <laughs> Um, so I'd like to do, let's do a little comparison here and maybe tell us besides a, a nicer layout, you know, coin market cap is, is really basic. It's kind of like web 1.0 in terms of design coin gecko kicks it up a notch. You've got a little color. It's just, it's a little more, um, fashionable, I, I guess I'll say. And I'm wondering as far as features, what do you have that CMC doesn't have and besides a lizard? <laughs> yeah, so we we have a lot of information. So we have uh, developer and social social scores. So we have stats on the social and developer. You can see the developer commits and all from four or five years ago. Uh, coins like Bitcoin and all. Those, those those are the main things I would say. We we track a lot more exchanges. We have a lot more data for one for each for each of the coins, and also we track more exchanges and we track more coins. So these are the key key differentiating factors I would say. Yeah, there's a pull down menu. I'm just going through some of the features here and there's a right under your ad banner, uh, which is being delivered on top. You've got kind of like an update that the Litecoin having is, you know, is happening. There's a countdown clock right there. And, you know, it's like it's in your face. Here's a big event that's getting ready to take place and you guys have it there front and center. Yeah. So, yeah, those are things that we do because these are key events that obviously Litecoin halving and uh, the Bitcoin halving next year will be the key events driving the price of Bitcoin and Litecoin. So, I mean, we have already seen how Litecoin prices increase a lot because of this event. So, yeah, uh, that's, that's one thing that we do. Uh, uh, trust score is obviously the big, big one that we are, that we are pushing at. Uh, just having increasing more transparency to the space to basically show how, uh, what we are doing. And basically, with this, just by looking at order book, surprisingly, we can see a lot of, uh, uh, we can sort exchanges, not just on reported volume, but we sort of sort them based on liquidity now just by looking at order book. Hey, hey, Travis, there's a really sad page you can look at here if you want to cry. Go to uh, the top menu on CoinGecko, and right next to trending, you'll see three ellipses with the pull-down menu, and you can mm -hmm. see stuff about the having. But click on all-time high, and this is a beta of a page that shows how the price drop from uh, for all the major cryptos from the all-time high. Man. And it, it's really sad. I mean, you got NEM down uh, 95%, uh, BTM down 83%, BCD down 99.14%. Zcash uh, down 96.59%. That's crazy. Yeah. This is, crypto this goes is, this up, crypto a... goes down. How about me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this chart looks used to look a lot worse like six months ago. <laughs> I can't, oh, hard yeah. to imagine sure. that, but true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this. I mean this looks pretty bad, but like Bitcoin at nine thousand one hundred dollars at negative fifty three from all time high is actually pretty good. Like it was, it was negative eighty percent or so at one point, and it was so red. I just couldn't stand looking at the page. Man. I just don't look. Well, well, and here's what's interesting is like B Cash is still down eighty nine percent from that all time high. Man, so, ouch! <laughs> look ouch, at ouch, Binance Coin; it's only down. 2.79% from its all-time high. Like, that crypto was the one that uh, was most resilient in the crypto winter, huh? Yeah, and it, it reached its all-time high six days ago. Mm. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So, now, is that... Yeah, everything else was over a year. 
Yeah, that's wild. So uh, is is that something you guys are thinking about having? Is having your own token someday, or do you have your own token? Uh, we don't have our token uh, at this point in time. I'm not so sure, but uh, we did we did issue some interesting NFTs, like non-fungible tokens. So we have some uh, coin gag. We did one for Christmas last year. Uh, it was issued on Ethereum, ERC721. It uh, was going around, uh, giving out just for fun. And then we have some. I didn't get one. I you didn't, didn't know give you me a Christmas gift, Bobby Young. What was it? Uh, it's just, uh, just a Christmas collectible. It was just fun, fun to mint them out. We wanted to experiment and learn how NFT works. So we decided the best way to learn is to just kind of mint our own collectible. So uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, I think I have a few extras. Uh, got to find out how to distribute them out again. Let's see if I can figure it out. So it wasn't too hard and, to create? Uh, we, have we, were, a few... we were thinking about creating bad crypto ones. So I think setting up a smart contract on ERC721 to do your collectible is actually relatively hard. Because, I mean, you can get the code, but you need a tech guy to do it. And then once you have those NFTs created, sending them out is hard as well. You've got to call a smart contract and then run some code and all. It's just, it's just I mean, it's still relatively hard. But we also experimented with engine and we minted some NFTs on the engine platform. And that with the engine wallet is very, very easy. So you can actually get started on engine and minting and, and mint your collectibles. I know a lot of guys are doing it. Uh, that's very straightforward. You don't need a lot of technical skills. So yeah, I would say you should do it for bad crypto. So you're saying the engine uh, platform is really kind of more like a push button platform for issuing non-fungible tokens. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. That seems pretty handy. It, it's very simple. Like you just, I, I can't remember the exact steps, but uh, it was relatively straightforward and very simple. Very cool. So you just have to, and then, and then once you have it on your engine wallet, Sending them out to the next person is very simple. It's sort of like sending like uh, your your like your your ether on your on your wallet on your mobile wallet to your friend. Like it's pretty similar, like that. Well, you guys heard it here first. Uh, Travis and I were gonna, you know, anytime we can go. Oh, there's a new crypto toy. Let's play with it. It sounds like Engine might be the easiest way for us to do something. So, Travis, yeah, we had them on the show that. really early on too, and it was nice to see them um, hit some of their finish lines that they were trying to. They've been doing pretty good. Uh, um, I want to ask you about this. So, you guys, you guys have some really interesting quarterly reports over there. What what are um, and I mean I've seen some of them in the past. They're pretty interesting. Maybe talk about your quarterly reports, how you put them together, and what value that that people are finding in them. Yeah, so we started doing our quarterly, the first report, uh, sometime in uh, quarter three, twenty seventeen. So we published like uh, about uh, seven, eight eight reports or so by now, and and basically what we do is at the end of each quarter, uh, the first couple of weeks of the quarter we just hustle together and then get the whole team and like discuss what are the key things that happened the past few months and and we put together and then we started start to make some slides and then basically we want to educate our community on what are the main things to look out at and so hopefully everybody learn and improve as a result so for example in the last report uh the q1 report so we look at what happened in january which was basically the launch of the member wimber coins uh beam and green so which explain what is uh, why why is it important, how is Mimbo Wimbo interesting, and then uh, that February, for example, was the basically the start of the IEO boom that kickstarted the crypto spring that we are in right now. So we look at some of the IEOs that happened back then, and then March was basically like the big, the big interesting point would be Cosmos, for example. 
so we look into Cosmo and what's all this talk about inter inter uh, inter blockchain connectivity, you know, so interoperability. So yeah, those are things that we look at, and then we also work with some other friends like uh, look into the uh, the decentralized application platforms uh, with Dapp.com, and then we also look at Lightning Network and, and other stuff. So uh, we have, uh, it's towards the end of this of quarter two, so we're actually going to start preparation for our Q2 report. Hopefully, we'll release them uh, sometime in mid-July. And, and let's see how it goes. I think there's a lot of interesting things that happened so far in quarter two. I think the IEO boom is still continuing. There's a lot of interesting things to look at. And, and of course, the big one that happened yesterday was the Facebook's uh, launch of Libra token. So that would be interesting to look at. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned Mimble Wimble because yesterday I was looking, I had never heard of it or just heard of it in passing. And I was looking through the top 100 on CoinGecko and I saw that number 89, like out of all of the gainers, you know, wh- which ones have really taken off this past week or so? And there's a token that's sitting at 89 called Grin. And, yeah. and I clicked on that and it says the private and lightweight Mimble Wimble blockchain, maybe just explain for us really briefly what that is, and then we want to get your thoughts on Libra. So yeah, uh, in short, uh, Mimbo Wimbo is a protocol that Beam and, and uh, Beam and Green are basically coins that are uh, built on top of the Mimbo Wimbo protocol. So it basically introduces a few new uh, innovations such as coin join, cutthroats, and confidential transactions that basically uh, help a cryptocurrency to be private by default. So Beam and Green was created out of it. Uh, two very different launch strategy from both these coins. So Green is very decentralized, very Bitcoin-like, was very community-run, funded by donation. It was, uh, the monetary policy was 100% of all new Greens given to miners. Beam, on the other hand, is more ICO-like. So you have a foundation and it's funded by the Beam Treasury. And the monetary policy for Beam is 80% is given to miners and 20% to Beam Treasury for the first five years. So essentially what you really want to do is compare Beam and Green against the other anonymous cryptocurrencies such as Zcash, Monero, Zcoin, and, and so on. So in short, it's basically an improvement of the current Bitcoin operating protocol. And it's basically, you just need to think of it as just another way of doing anonymous cryptocurrencies. So yeah, that's that's a TRDR of uh, Mimbo Wimbo. I got to tell you that your reports are very extensive. I mean, these we're talking 40, 50 pages typically on this thing. And so folks, if you want to go check it out, go to uh, coingecko.com. And then up at the very top, you want to hit the three ellipses over there by trending. You knock that down, you click on that. And uh, scroll all the way down to where you see API reports, widgets, newsletter, click on reports, and that that will be uh, where those reports are located. Now, do you have like a newsletter? He says you have a newsletter here. Do you announce if you're signed up on the CoinGecko newsletter, like here's our report, or do you have to go to the website? How, how do people find out when those new reports pop out? Yeah, so we announce it in our newsletter and then follow us on social media is all. We put it out on Twitter, Facebook, or Telegram at CoinGecko. We announce it and, and people will talk about it. So yeah, definitely come by and hang out with us at our Telegram at CoinGecko. Nice. Let, let's go ahead and get your thoughts on uh, on Libra since that news just broke here. I guess this will air probably in a week after and we'll know a little bit more by the time the episode airs. But based on what you know right now or the first 24 hours, what are your thoughts? I think it's very interesting that uh, Facebook is trying to get into cryptocurrency space. I think that's and there's push and pull factors involved. 
uh, I guess push factors. Um, if you look at all the other large social media platforms involved, they've already launched their own tokens as well. So if you look at Telegram, they have their Gram token. Kin, uh, Kick has Kin token. And then if you look at um, yeah, this uh, most of the social neighbor Kakao, Kakao neighbor in, in line as well have their own tokens. And, and Facebook sort of have to do something about it. And the pull factor, in my opinion, is this. I mean, if you think about it, how would Facebook grow their profits and market cap by 10x in the next 10 years, for example? And the big obvious answer will be to get into banking and financial services. So uh, I think, I think we're very uh, it's very interesting that they have decided to get into the payment services space. And there will be a lot of profit, uh, profit opportunities for them to with this uh, launch of Libra. It's, it's not exactly a blockchain per se, it's a permission ledger, but it's uh, very interesting in the sense that uh, this is making crypto mainstream. It will be like the on-ramp for a lot of people to hear about crypto and then it'll be a sort of a way once people hear about crypto and then they will find out what's the biggest crypto and then they find out about Bitcoin. So it will be, they may get into Libra and then at some point move some of their coins into uh, some of their holdings, their, some of their their, their wealth into Bitcoin. So this, I would say it's a net positive for the entire industry. And of course, for many people, if you can easily send money across the world with a simple message instead of like going through the bank or like using some other complicated services and paying high hefty fees, it's always a very good thing for everybody in the space. So, and, and I think because it's a stable coin backed by uh, four fiat currencies, USD, GBP, EUR, Euro, and Yen, for people in, in living in countries where they do not have uh, stable currencies where the uh, value of their national currency, sovereign currency goes down every day. I think this is very interesting because this is a way for them to, to hold value as well. So I think it would be very interesting to see. Uh, Facebook is a large country. Uh, it's, it's a large company. Essentially, they are sort of creating their own country. They want to be like sort of a private central bank in the world. and uh, But now the narrative will be shifted. Like everybody in the world at 2.4 billion users or so of Facebook users, they'll hear about crypto. And at some point, some of a percentage of those will move into a proper permissionless ledger like Bitcoin and and, and we all see benefit from it, I would say. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, you, you mentioned 2.4 billion people hearing about crypto, thinking that, wow, well, if Facebook's doing it, this other crypto stuff might not be a scam. It might not be for criminals like everybody. You know, like some people seem to still think that it is. So I think you're spot on. I think it's going to be a big boon for the crypto world. It could be really interesting over over time for Facebook as more and more people realize that it's centralized and they own it. And and then crypto, you know, some of the, um, you know, the, the, the great things about, you know, traditional crypto is being decentralized and not having a, a central, you know, headquarters, right, where there is where there is no one who runs it. What do you think about voice? Right, you know, this new platform that EOS is going to come out with, uh, voice, where people are going to be able to earn crypto based on their activities on the platform. Is that something you think Facebook's going to do as well? Did they mention that? I've not made it all the way no. through the white paper, so I'm not sure if they're going to reward people for their content. I assume they will not because no. that's how they make their money. But voice doing that, I think that could be a really interesting thing for them. What What are your thoughts on voice versus Facebook, maybe? So I don't think face, face, Facebook in their Libra white paper is not planning to do incentivize social media, uh, social networks. So uh, Libra, in short, is basically a 
like a stable coin that anybody can have on their Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp, and you basically can send it to anyone on your on your on your contact list. So basically, what they're really going after is the remittance solution. It's kind of like a Venmo, but for international transfers. So imagine sending money to like me, for example. I'm living in Malaysia. Like you can send me uh, US dollar. I mean Libra tokens, which is packed one to I mean whatever the ratio is to the US dollar, and without going through like large uh, all this hassle of going through the banks or the other money service uh, transmitter. So um, voice voice in the sense is basically uh, sounds sounds to me like uh, incentivized audio sharing similar to Stimit. I've I've not really looked into it very in, in much detail, but it almost seems like I've heard people saying that EOS spent a lot of money trying to develop voice and, and some of them were making fun. I think we spent, they said, some of them were saying like EOS spent like $150 million to develop voice. Yeah, so so that's, those are some of the wow. things. Yeah. Of they spent $30 million just on the domain alone. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is a yeah. lot of money. Yeah, that really is. All right, Bobby, co-founder of CoinGecko.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. You guys uh, go check it out, coingecko.com. It's fancy and there's lots of data there and you can see your cryptos go up or go down. Hopefully you'll see them go up. Thank you. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it. And I have now set coingecko.com to be one of the sites that um, pulls up on my Brave browser tabs when I launch my Brave browser because no more Google Chrome for me, Mr. Travis Wright. I've heard that. I've heard you tell that whole story. You would do de-Googlefying. I am de-Googlefying, and I'm going to document the process. So far, I have succeeded in removing Chrome from all of my devices except my laptop in which I have Chrome because I use BeLive TV to broadcast to Facebook Live. It only works on Chrome, but what I did is I logged into a Google account that I don't use for anything else, and I don't use the browser to go anywhere else. So it's it's kind of, you know, its own thing. And, you know, if they make it where I can start using it on Firefox, I totally would. Beautiful. Need to tie with those BeLive folks and say, get with the programs. Oh, and I've also uh, removed my Chromecast from my television. The next step is to move uh, mail, documents, and calendaring off of the G Suite, and I will be reporting back on that once I have succeeded. Then you need to go to the tattoo parlor and get the Google tattoo removed. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is, this is a big thing because you're the, you're the guy who wrote the definitive book on AdSense, mm -hmm. teaching people how to use Google to make money back in the days where Google shared most of their wealth. I mean, they shared a nice percentage of their revenue back to the people who helped build them. Then they got to the point where they're so big, you know, they did. And you know what? It's like those of us who saw AdSense and I read, you know, Mr. Joel Com's book back in the day. I was very familiar with that. And I had AdSense on my side. I made quite a bit of money. But you could see that exact same thing playing out on YouTube that you saw. It's like, oh, now we're going to share all this money, this ad revenue on your videos. And then slowly they're, they're making it less and less and less and then kicking people off the platform. Just yeah. like what they did with AdSense. Very, very predictable. Yeah. But, uh, we're de-Googifying. Yep, I'm going to do it. Well, AdSense is still alive, and there are sites that are making a bunch of money, but I sold my content sites um, by 2012 for the most part, and so I really kissed AdSense goodbye. They can Google can kiss my AdSense. That's good. And uh, by the way, we are, we are de-Googifying, and we are 
coin geckoizing. We decided to do more of that. That was a great interview with Bobby Ong, yeah? Absolutely, and I love that he uh, put bad on CoinGecko, and I'm just going to type it in right here, right now. Bad Coin is listed as number 1174 of all tokens, and at this current moment, it has a market cap of $213,419. I love the charts on CoinGecko, though. There's just so much more information here that, uh, and this is not a paid, you know, spot at all. CoinGecko, we like better than CoinMarketCap. There's just more info here. Mm-hmm. A lot more information. And go to the show notes. You can check it all out. CoinGecko.com slash in. That's for English. Log.CoinGecko. They got the trust score stuff there. That's really cool. They got all these reports. Like, we should really have Bobby Ong on once a quarter to talk about these great reports that he has. Uh, I think that stuff is pretty phenomenal. Built very well. The It looks great. And the content in there is huge great stuff what do you think mr joe com what, what should we what should we tell the fine folks of the the crypt the republic of bad cryptopia well it's not that they really need any instruction because they know this but if we were going to tell them what the marching orders would be it would have to be to well stay bad The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.